Good morning, good afternoon, evening to all the brothers and sisters in all countries and cities and towns, wherever the church God has allowed his church to open. Welcome to everyone and also to the brothers and sisters here. God bless you greatly. Welcome to all and well, we are here again in our weekly gathering of being here for the sermon to see what the Holy Spirit has for us. And well, at least we know the Holy Spirit is attentive so that the word of God reaches our hearts and God may change and transform us and God blesses, works miracles and signs, extraordinary signs as he's always done for many people, hundreds of thousands of people that have benefited from God's blessings and the way that God has manifested himself throughout all of these years. We give the Lord thanks for that. And here we are, standing before the Lord. We are here for God to be with us and to take us by his mighty hand. And we may continue onward, giving him all that he deserves. The honor, the glory, the praise, and that we please him in all things. And so you may be seated. You can get comfortable in your places, dear brothers and sisters. And a greeting to all the brothers and sisters once again in all countries and places. And in over 60 countries, God has allowed his word to reach. Even if it's just 6 or 10 hearts or 15 that have arrived to a country, God is there. And God has placed his eyes also on that country. So all will receive the blessing for we always remember when God said to Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities. And Abraham said, if there's 50 that are righteous, are you still going to destroy those cities? And the Lord said, well, if there are 50 righteous, I will not destroy it. And Abraham then continued to say, well, if there's 45, if there's 30, if there's 10. And he says, if there's 10 righteous, he says, well, if there's 10 righteous, I will not destroy it. So God has mercy of those 10 righteous. This is why I say that in a very far off country, in a place where there are 10 believers, 15 believers, God sees that as something very important for him. And we thank God for he has brought us to his fold. And the Lord wants to make of us a very great flock worldwide. And we are the ones in charge. We have this responsibility. This very great, wonderful work. But it is very great. And it's evangelizing. And it is teaching, guiding people, talking to them about God, explaining the Bible to them. All of that needs to be done with people to talk to them about the Lord, his word, his power. And this is why we need to read the Bible a lot time and time again so that we are able to learn all of the concepts and likewise be able to work for God. And one day when we are in the Lord's presence, we may bring many fruits. Amen. So this, this is our duty, our work. This is the great responsibility God has given us. So today we are going to continue with the first book of John, we are in the first book of John today. 
What we have prepared is chapter four. We are scheduled to read and reflect on this chapter, John, 1 John chapter four, and we're going to read for the honor, the glory of our God. And it reads in verse number one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now this is John's advice. Today, we will say the same as well. We also think alike. That we need to discern and the perfect way to discern and to distinguish from what is false and what is right, and it is by reading the Bible and by acquiring a lot of biblical knowledge and that our hearts be pure before God. If our heart is pure and clean before God, if we are honest with the Lord, if we are not hypocrites Meaning, we are just pretending to be holy, pretending to be, I am a great helper in the congregation and that I live a holy life. But it is not true. We don't live that way. We're just pretending. That is what we call hypocrisy with God. And it is also called being dishonest. So, due to that, our God cannot give us discernment or give us the ability to distinguish the lying false spirits. And if we are not living uprightly before the Lord, then we are deceived by the enemy. We are deceived by the devil. This is why it is necessary that aside from reading the Bible time and time again, we need to learn the doctrine as well. We also need to listen to the Bible studies to learn the doctrine and to pray and ask God to help us understand his ways so that the enemy is not able to deceive us, but that we be ready and prepared for any type of deceit from a false lying spirit. This is why the apostle told all the believers, he told them not to believe all spirits. Maybe perhaps a preacher, a man or a woman. Now back in that time, it was mostly men. They would appear preaching and saying that they were a prophet, an apostle, or an evangelist. That they had all of the spiritual gifts and they would begin to teach falsehood in the doctrine of the Lord. And people, as they did not have discernment, they did not have a pure heart, they did not live honestly and uprightly before the Lord, the devil deceived them and they fell into the trap. This is why it says that there are many false prophets that have gone out. These false prophets mentioned by the apostle they did go out into the world and have formed many religions. 
many religions, Christian religions that profess reading the Bible, they have gone out into the world due to false prophets. For in the beginning, God began to manifest himself. God revealed himself to people to give them spiritual gifts. And some liars, deceivers, freeloaders, materialistic and greedy people wanting money began to imitate and to try and do the same things in an attempt to have material gain using the spiritual gifts. And an example that we are told of is in Acts of the Apostles when there was a man who saw the apostles working miracles and signs. And he offered them money so that they could also give him that gift. And he said, I give you money in exchange for that gift for I want to do the same. But he was doing this because he wanted to profit. So he thought to himself, if I have this spiritual gift and I begin to work all of those miracles these apostles are working, then I'm going to be very rich. And so that is how those types of people, false prophets like the apostle says, they began to rise, to rise out of greed. And God would give the spiritual gifts and those that were greedy would twist the Lord's upright path in order to follow after money and financial gain. And so that is why the Lord also begins to turn away from people and ignores them. And we see the results of that. Hundreds of religions, or we could also say thousands, of religions in the world, of people saying they are Christians, they believe in God, they read the Bible. But each is seeking their own interests. No one preaches with sincerity. But they seek the material things in the first places. They're seeking to be in the best places and for other people to revere them and to honor them, to be important. And that is the sad part and what has happened and what has occurred since the Lord began to manifest himself in the early church, even to this day. So this is why the Lord has wanted to form a congregation, a place where he is worshipped without any personal interest or gain, where he is sought with a sincere and upright heart, a pure heart. So that those psalms that say, Who will be in your holy hill, Lord? Who will stand before you in your place? Who will present themselves before you? And the Lord says, Those who have clean hands, a pure heart. So this is why. Here we have this privilege that God has gathered us so that his spirit may guide and rule over us. And we are here with the Lord seeking that perfection and seeking to do God's will and please him in all things so that one day we may attain eternal life. But before we desire for eternal life, we need to win over many souls for the kingdom of heaven. So we continue in verse number two when the apostle gives this recommendation. 
And he says in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, when it says every spirit, it is because the spirits possessed men to preach and teach. And here, the Holy Spirit, who is the only one that should possess men and women to preach, to teach, to prophesy. And in that time, the majority of men were proceeding over the evangelical work. And he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that possesses a person and confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So they are correct. For back in that time, there was a problem, an issue concerning the Jews who did not believe that our Lord Jesus had resurrected. That our Lord Jesus had been born of a woman and had died and resurrected. They did not believe and said this was a lie. So back in that time, they told those who did not believe they were called antichrists. So in verse number three, it reads, And every spirit, meaning the spirit that is within a man, a preacher, a pastor, a prophet, if they do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, this person is not of God. They are not preaching the correct word. They are not teaching what is righteous. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the Antichrist from the beginning of the Church of the Lord had already manifested itself. And it was among the believers, but in those believers who had not converted to God, who were not sincere, but only were pretending in the congregation, they were just listeners. So he says, that was an antichrist. And even back then, there was already antichrist. And today, many antichrists who deny our Lord Jesus Christ, they deny his deity. They deny that he existed, that God made himself flesh, that he dwelled among the people. And that the Lord died and resurrected. And that today he manifests himself through the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. They deny it. So they are an antichrist. And this has been going on for thousands of years. Two thousand years and more. That is what has been at work in the minds and in the hearts of those who are not sincere. And in verse number four, it reads, You... Are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater, so greater is the Holy Spirit who is in you, than he, that spirit of deceit that is in the world, and that is perverting the minds, corrupting the minds of human beings to not believe in the Lord of glory, in the true word of God. Or the true path of the Lord. Verse number five, it reads, They are of the world. So all of those who are liars, deceivers, the enemy has used them to distort the word of God and the Lord's ways. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We, the believers, the apostle says, We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. A person 
who wants to know about God, who loves God, who believes in God, even if they are not in the place they should be. But they are a person who always in their heart has longed to know God, to love God. This person hears us when we evangelize them. When we speak to them about God, this person hears and accepts. They are joyful and they say, yes, I will go to that place. You are inviting me there and I will go. Why? For in the heart of this person, there is the intent and desire to know, to believe and love God. So this is what this is saying. Those who are not of God, they do not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now we've lived those experiences as well. That many times we speak to someone, they reject us, they are angered, they become our enemies. For they are not of God. For they have nothing of God in their hearts. No fear or belief in the Lord. All right, let us continue in verse number seven. But before continuing with verse number seven, and these verses now are speaking to us of love, of the love of God toward his creation. And it also says that the love of God toward his creation, that we, we should love our fellow beings. Love them as God loves his creation. He loves his followers. And among all of this, before we continue reading in verse number seven, let us read in Romans, where it also talks to us about the love of God, the love that we also must profess toward our fellow beings. Here in Romans chapter 13, we are going to be reading from verse 8 to 10. In Romans chapter 13 from verse number 8 to 10. Which reads, it reads, Owe no one anything, meaning not to be indebted. So, Owe no one anything except to love one another. So not having any outstanding debts with people. And also being very careful with this. For owing people money or a belonging something material. It can also deal with maybe having a friendship and or lending a hand and being generous, offering help and being merciful and not getting revenge against anyone and not getting revenge. For if you do, then you will be indebted if you are not generous and deny someone a favor and do not lend a hand in time, then you are indebted with that fellow being, with your neighbor. You are indebted. Your conscience begins to say you were unrighteous in the way you treated that person, you are unrighteous. For that person gave you money and you have not wanted to return it, pay it back. So concerning not owing no one anything is applicable to many things in many different aspects. And it says, but to love one another, 
For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So to love. Love is fulfilling all of God's commandments. It is keeping them and it is keeping them with God and with our fellow beings. To love is to keep the law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. It was not abolished on the cross of Calvary. It was not removed. On the cross of Calvary, what was removed was the method of salvation. For aside from the law of Moses, there were many precepts and rules that needed to be done in order to attain eternal life or to walk uprightly before the Lord. So our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to earth and he fulfilled all of those requirements, he fulfilled all of those rules and ordinances, he kept it all. And this is why on the cross of Calvary, he made his sacrifice, where he then said, it all is made null. It has been finished. The law, it was finished for I have fulfilled it. For the Lord lived as a human being. And the Lord had said that the people of Israel, the human beings, needed to keep the law of Moses. But as they could not, this is why our Lord Jesus Christ made himself a human being and kept the law and then removed it. But the law that was given to Moses, the Ten Commandments there on Mount Sinai, this was a law that continued to be valid. And it would be the Holy Spirit after our Lord Jesus Christ. When the gospel would begin, the good tidings of salvation, the new method of salvation, that no longer are all the precepts and rules of the law of Moses were needed, but now what you needed to do was believe in Jesus Christ and to keep the Lord's valid commandments, those commandments given on Mount Sinai to Moses. This is why this law continues and in the gospel it is known as the law of the spirit. No longer is it the law of Moses, but the law of the spirit. For it was God who gave that law to Moses. And here it says that men or women who say they have love it is because they have fulfilled the law. And what did the law say? Verse number nine. What did the law say? The law said this. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And these are examples of the law of God's commandment, of the law of the Holy Spirit. These are just short examples. And it says, if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This teaching has been given time and time again in many different ways. But as I know, there are newcomers and many first-time guests as well, well, they need to learn. So this sermon is necessary, and it is for you. And although the brothers and sisters who have been in the church for quite some time already know this, they are now teachers. 
They are teachers of the word, but it is never harmful to once again review this. It is very important. So we find here that the law was that. This is why we say that those who love, it is because they are keeping the law. And to love is to keep the law of God, the law of the Spirit. That is a person who loves. That is love. It says, God loved, loved us all. And as he has loved us, we then need to love one another. And to love one another, it is to keep the law. When we fulfill all of the law, all of God's commandments, well, then we do not offend anyone. We do not harm anyone. We do not cause people to suffer. We do not disappoint them. We do not discourage them. On the contrary, they are strengthened and they press on for they shall see our example. They shall see our testimony. They shall see the love that we are professing to them by fulfilling God's commandments. And there is the example of the four things we see here, which is adultery, to murder, to steal, bear false witness, and not to covet, and not to be greedy and want what others have. And there are many other commandments. And it says that all of this is summed up in saying, love your neighbor. Keep the law. And you can then say, I keep the law very well. You are then loving your neighbor. And loving your neighbor is not just specific individuals. But you do start at home with your family. You start with your marriage. That. And you keep all of the commandments. That is love. That is the love the Lord says we must have. To love one another. And in verse number 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. I would like for you to read this so that you remember this and keep this in your heart. Love. It says love does no harm to a neighbor. For if we commit a sin, any sin, we are then harming, we are hurting our neighbor. It says, therefore, love. Love is the fulfillment of the law, of the law of God. That is love. So when they say to you, you have no love. Well, it turns out in the congregation, sometimes people come they situate themselves maybe in the first row or on the sides. And since there are many people, and in certain places, the churches are very large of 2,000 believers. Like in Colombia, the churches there allocate 2,000 people that congregate at each service. So people arrive and situate themselves in a place where they don't even make way for the others who are arriving. Maybe there's a brother or sister 
that is helping people sit down and they say, brother, can you please move to that corner? They get upset. They become upset. And they say, well, this sister Jane has no love. Has no love for I was seated and she made me get up and move somewhere else. She has no love. Do you think that's love? That's not love. Now, he may have interpreted that maybe that person lacked a little bit of mercy or compassion. Maybe that person did not know how to talk to him and explain to him why she was doing that. But that is not love. So there are many people who misinterpret what love is. People believe that love is affection, affectionate words and hugs, kisses, I love you, oh my dear, my brother, my sister. They think that is love, but that is not love. Love is fulfilling what? It is the fulfillment of the law of God, the law of the Holy Spirit. It is the fulfillment of it. That is love. For those who keep the law, then they love their neighbor. Blessed is the Lord. May God help us all to keep all of these commandments. That God help us so that we are able to love our neighbor. And isn't it beautiful to love our neighbor? It is beautiful. It is beautiful to love our neighbor. And it is beautiful when in our heart, there is nothing that affects our spiritual life. That there is nothing that is eating at our conscience. That there is nothing that hinders me from feeling the love, the compassion, the mercy, and that I can present myself to other people with the way that they deserve, with the care that people deserve, treating people delicately and with wisdom and teaching with wisdom and understanding, correcting with wisdom and understanding, correcting and doing all of these things with great delicacy. And we see how people learn and accept the correction. They accept the teaching and the recommendation. And they don't complain or lament themselves saying that you are lacking love. Though that is not the love that we are referring to, but there are many people that perceive it that way. So this verse here in Romans 13, 10 we should memorize this and always keep this in our heart. Romans 13, 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, the law of God. And what is the law of God? Well, examples. Adultery, murder, steal, false witness, covet, hatred, vanity, pretentiousness, presumptuousness. So many things, malice, greed, lies, all of that. All of that. When you cease to do that, then you can say you are fulfilling the law of God. And if you fulfill all of that, then you can say you have love. There is love. That is love. It is fulfilling the law. Now, 
Let us go to 1 Corinthians, where this topic is also discussed. This same topic, but how beautiful it is to review it and review it and repeat it until we remember it in our hearts. Not so much in our memory, but that we remember it in our heart, that it be kept in our heart, the word of God in order to be able to execute it. 1 Corinthians 13, we will read from verses 1 to 7. It reads, Are you all ready, brothers and sisters? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 7, the Apostle Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, the tongues of angels, this is speaking in other tongues that are given by the Holy Spirit. Let's remember, and mainly those that are newcomers, first-time guests, the Lord baptizes people with his Holy Spirit, those who come to the congregation. He baptizes them with the Holy Spirit and they speak other languages, other tongues that are not a natural tongue that we are accustomed to speaking our natural language. So the Holy Spirit makes us speak in other tongues, and that is how we praise God as well, with angelical tongues, spiritual tongues. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, meaning the Apostle was saying, and I am not fulfilling the law of God, then I have become, he says, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, meaning it doesn't have a right sound, an appropriate melody. It is just something that is sounding, something that is clanging. And that is exactly how a person is who says they speak in tongues, for they have already received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And that, and that now as they speak in tongues, they think that is enough. But they are missing something. They are not fulfilling all of the law of God. They were fulfilling some of the commandments, but they are missing many, many others to fulfill. So that person is like something that doesn't have a true certain sound. It is something uncertain. A sound that does not have a melody or something that can be understood. But it is something that just rings in our ears and it's bothersome. That's how we would be or that's how we are. If we have no love, if we are not keeping the law. And in verse 2, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and you see how delicate and sensitive this matter is. So if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge of God, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. This is saying that God gives spiritual gifts to people, not because these people are so perfect, but God gives them the spiritual gifts so this person begins to change. This person begins to have a new life in the Lord. 
So the Lord gives the spiritual gifts to men and women who still have imperfections, who still have sinful weaknesses. But the Lord gives the spiritual gifts. He says he gives them the gift of prophecy and they lay on hands for he gives them the gift of healing. They have faith. And they understand many mysteries and the knowledge and doctrine of the Bible. But this person still has sinning tendencies that they are practicing. So the Lord expects that with these spiritual gifts he has given them, this person changes, is transformed, and aims to change. For the Lord gives them this so this person may also put forth their own effort and sets themselves to change and for their lives to be transformed or for their hearts to be transformed. And the apostle says that he saw, he saw some who were not fulfilling those requirements. He saw some speaking in tongues and had the gift of prophecy that they were exercising the gifts in the church, but they were still sinning. And this is why he says to them, there is no love. You have not love. For in verse number three, there is another comparison, an example. And he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, meaning I do not fulfill the law of God, it profits me nothing. All of these deeds I do profits me nothing. So, it says, love suffers long. Love suffers long. Meaning, a person, a person who has love, a tribulation can come to them. Days of trouble, difficulties, perhaps shortage, the loss of loved ones, accidents, maybe even bankruptcy in their business, perhaps they are unemployed, they have debts. Well, many problems may come to their life, but this person who has love, they have patience, they're tolerant, they accept, and they pray to God to help them, but they never cease seeking the Lord's path. They press on in the Lord's path, for they wait in God. So they tolerate and bear that suffering. If someone comes and humiliates them, they suffer through that humiliation. If someone slanders them, they bear and tolerate that slandering. They continue onward seeking the Lord's path. They continue on in the path. They simply pray and ask the Lord to help them and strengthen them. But they continue in the path and they are suffering they're suffering the disdain of their family, perhaps. The disdain of their loved ones for coming to church and converting to God. So this person, they bear, they tolerate, and continue their path. That is love. Love suffers long. It tolerates and bears everything that comes their way. All of the harshness, any situation, this person tolerates and bears it. They suffer through it. It also says that love is kind. It is a person that likes to do good. A person who does good. 
someone that is kind, merciful, patient, is a peacemaker, they are meek. All of these things are being kind. And when they do all of these things, it is said they have love. Why? For they are fulfilling the Lord's commandments. So in their heart, what they have are virtues and good qualities. All of these values are in their heart. And it also says love does not envy. For if there is envy in someone that is within the congregation, then they are hurting that other person. Or they look at them badly, they no longer say hello to them, or they criticize them, they speak badly of that person, they judge them, or they think badly of that person, and they think maliciously. So they harm them, so they do not love them. They have no love of God, for they are not loving their neighbor. They are not fulfilling the Lord's commandments, which is do not envy. And it says, love does not parade itself. To parade oneself or to have pride and vanity in saying, I have, I am, I am, I have this. I am better than that person. I am high above. I know that other person doesn't know. I understand that other person doesn't understand. I am better. I do things better. So that boastfulness a person who is like that, it is said they have no love or they have not kept the Lord's commandments. They have no love. They do not love their neighbor. For with their boastfulness, they offend others. They are making other people feel bad. And it also says, is not puffed up. So to be puffed up or to become vain with the vanities of life, with fashion, with certain shows and everything that the world shows and the pleasures of the world. So a person becomes puffed up in these vanities. And so they set their hearts on all of these pleasures and they harm themselves. They hurt themselves for the things of the Lord they turn away from. They turn away from their spiritual life and begin to live a physical, material life. And they hurt themselves. They hurt those at home. They hurt their family. And they also hurt their fellow beings. As we can see here, love is something or it is a concept that a lot of people were mistaken in how they interpreted. But here we are speaking and clarifying. And I'm sure you will read again in the Bible on this topic of love. And do not forget Love is to love one another. Love is to keep the Lord's commandments. Love is not to sin. For I offend myself. I hurt myself. I offend God and I offend my neighbor. So in verse number five, it continues to list other things and says, Love does not behave rudely. Now, if we say, what are rude things? Well, there are many. We find many things that can be done and that are rude. For example, adultery. That is something that is very rude. For example, 
to steal and con a person, it is rude. To envy and hold a grudge, and it says here that love also thinks no evil holding a grudge. If you do hold a grudge, that is something that is rude. Now, when we say that love does not behave rudely, it encloses many things that are a sin. And it says love does not seek its own, is not provoked, so does not seek its own. We should always give others a place and we come last. You are first and then I follow. You be happy and then I will be happy in seeing your happiness. Seek your peace and then I will have peace when I see that you are a person of peace. For I see God gives peace. You found it. And now I will have it. For I no longer will worry about you. I won't suffer. For I know you have peace. And that brings me joy. So in every aspect of our life, we are not seeking to be first. I'm first. I come second. I come third. Like there is a saying. But always giving someone else the priority. It says, does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. And love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Who could ever rejoice in something that is unjust? When someone is unjust with someone else, you are filled with sadness. You worry. You say, that is so unjust. Why are they so unjust? Why do they do that? Why would they do that to that person? So when there is love, we suffer. We suffer in seeing others suffer. When there is love, we rejoice in the happiness and joy of others. And it says here that love rejoices in the truth. In the truth, in what is righteous, in what is upright what is fair, what is honest. And love rejoices in that, not in unrighteousness, but in the honesty, uprightness of things and to do things just as they should be. And in verse number eight, it says, love never fails. It says, love never fails. God's commandments will never fail or cease to be. Even in eternity, this love of God will exist. These commandments of God and his perfect love in each of us will remain if we arrive and we hope to arrive to eternity. For God will help us arrive. The Lord has made us promises and we need to be steadfast in order to arrive. And so in there in eternity, we will have that perfect love. But God wants us to start now. Starting now, we need to have love. Starting now, we need to be perfect. Starting now, we need to fulfill the Lord's commandments. So it says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Of course. Well, when will this all cease? Well, it says, the prophecy will fail. The tongues will cease. Knowledge will vanish away. And this is the knowledge, not just of the doctrine of the Lord, but also the knowledge of the world, of humanity. Everything will come to an end one day. When? When the Lord comes in the clouds for his church. When the Lord gathers his people to live in eternity. 
And we hope that it is many, that it is millions. How many want there to be millions that go to eternity to go with God? That's it for we love. We love our neighbor. We love those who are outside and we're trying to find the opportunity to speak to them about God, to testify to them and invite them to come and to know God so that one day they too may go to eternity with us to be with God. Don't you think that is our work? That is love. Now let us go back to John. Now let us go back to John. In verse number seven of first John. And now we will be able to understand what the apostle John is saying. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Glory to God. Now you understand this verse. Now you understand it for we know what love is. We know what it means to be with God, what it is to be born of God. For the Lord takes away all the evil from our hearts. And we now live in holiness and have that love. We love our neighbor. Now we are fulfilling all of the Lord's commandments. And in verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him it says, God loved us so much, he sent his son to sacrifice himself, to die on the cross for us. He gave his life for ours. That is love. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Meaning, let us keep God's commandments. And you will see how in doing so, we show our fellow beings that we love them. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. So no one has seen God at any time. Meaning, we haven't seen the Lord physically in saying that's God. We feel him, right? We feel the Holy Spirit we hear the voice of God in our hearts, in our conscience. We have visions, dreams. We have dreams with the Lord. But in reality, awake, God has never been seen at any time. So if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So if I say here, if we love one another, meaning if we keep God's commandments, then God abides in our heart. And God's love is perfected in our lives. Glory to the Lord. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we may feel that he is with us, that he loves us. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in that person. God will remain with that person. And it says, And we, we then abide in God. 
So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. So when someone asks us this, we say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. For I know there are denominations who say that Jesus Christ was just an ordinary man. He was simply a prophet. But no, aside from being a prophet, aside from living like an ordinary man, he was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And that is what we need to believe. And in verse number 16, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. So my dear brothers and sisters, we need to fight and strive to keep these commandments with the help of God. Ask the Lord to help us. And let us also make an effort to change so that God may abide in our being. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Who can fear or be afraid when we are keeping all of the commandments? When we have God in our heart, what fear can there be in our being? None at all. Who can we be afraid of? No one. For God is with us. So it says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For a person who lives a life of sin, of course they fear for their conscience, accuses them that they are doing something wrong, and sooner or later they will be punished. That is what happens. That is that fear of those who abide in sin. And so it says, But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. We love our God, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, that person is a what? Is a liar. For that person says, I love God, but they have hatred, angry. They're distant from their brother or their neighbor. Well, then they are a liar. They are lying. God is not in their heart. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So those who keep the Lord's commandments logically, that person loves their neighbor. Not just their brother and sister in Christ, but they love other people. Those that surround us, all people, friends, relatives who are not in church, neighbors, friends, co-workers, people in school. So we are offering those people sincerity. We are offering friendship, affection, and if necessary, to lend a hand to them. We help them at the given time. That is how we show that we are keeping the commandments and that we love God and we love our neighbor and that we have love. So take notice of this concept of love and how beautiful it is. 
and that we are going to pray to the Lord and ask our God that he help us so that we are able to reach to reach this phase of our spiritual life the phase of perfect love that perfect bond a christian should reach a believer in the gospel should reach that perfect bond of love and love is to keep the lord's commandments it is to have a pure heart because when you fulfill the lord's commandments your heart is pure and clean and that that is also the way in which we will win over hearts for the kingdom of heaven may god help us may the lord be with us may god be with you all let us pray O blessed mighty god father creator of the heavens and earth our creator our Father, our God, our King. Mighty Lord, omnipotent, you are great and righteous. Your mercy is so great. Your love is eternal. Your promises are faithful and true. Everything you have promised, Lord, has come to pass little by little in our lives. And here we are, Lord. Here we are in your presence, being covered by your Holy Spirit, being covered by your power, by your magnificence, by your presence. We are here, Lord, receiving blessings. For you do so many things in our lives every day, all the time. You are always manifesting yourself in one way or another to each believer. To all, you have given so many blessings. You have protected us. And here we are, Lord. And now we ask, Holy Father, for the people who are newcomers and first-time guests, for those who have not yet had the chance to come to the church and to hear your word to feel in their heart the presence of your holy spirit lord they have not had that opportunity but we pray for them that you bless them we ask lord that you help us to evangelize that you help us lord and give us the simple easy way to evangelize and to speak of people of your name of your word of your ways of eternal life of all of the wonders that you give us to be able to speak about you and the great wonders you work lord help us so that we are able to work in your vineyard as we should and as you want us to do thank you lord holy father thank you thank you for listening to us and now i ask father that you stretch out your hand your mighty hand upon those that are ill upon all people of all ages those that suffer of diverse diseases, may you heal them, deliver them, cleanse them, that you protect and guard them. They are praying and also asking for healing, for their petitions, the yearnings of their heart. May you grant them, Lord, and hear their prayer. Bless them, Lord, and deliver them 
heal and cleanse, remove witchcraft, sorcery, remove curses. Lord, have mercy, my Lord. You have loved us, you love us, and you will continue to love us. Father, we ask for your love, that you manifest yourself among us. Thank you, Lord. We give you the honor, the glory, the praise. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, blessed is the Lord. The honor, the glory be for our God. Let us sing to the Lord, chorus number 11, titled, I Want to Have More of Jesus. Chorus 11. Yo quiero más y más de Cristo, yo quiero más de su poder, yo quiero más de su presencia, yo quiero más y más de él, yo quiero más y más. Yo quiero más de su poder Yo quiero más de su presencia Yo quiero más y más de él Blessed is the Lord, glory to our God Thank you very much brothers and sisters and first-time guests, newcomers, thank you. And the brothers and sisters here with me, God bless you. Thank you very much. Until next time. And, of course, the kisses for the children and big hugs for you all. Thank you.